African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Good morning to you, Channel Africans. This is African Dialogue. Thank you so much for joining us. We're coming to you live from the SABC headquarters in South Africa. It's 1100 hours Central African time. My name is Ayandam Kwanazi, and together with Dumelo Zulu, we'll be taking you through African Dialogue this hour. On the program today, after the news, we're going to look at the legacy of the late former president of Zambia, Kenneth Kawunda. He died last week at the age of 97. What legacy does he leave behind? What are some of the lessons that can be learned from this kind of leadership style? Um, It's mixed reactions, uh, but the, the, the very loud message is that he was such a giant in his own way and an advocate for human rights. So we're going to speak to two people who knew Kawunda personally, but also who um, followed his leadership style and were very fond of him. And also his contribution to South African politics um, with Umkonto Wesizwe. But welcome back to African Dialogue. Well, a reminder that we are live on the DSTV audio book. We're on channel 802. You can also live stream us on our website, www channelafrica.co.za. Well, today we're zooming into Zambia's founding father, uh, Kenneth Kawunda, who died last week in Lusaka at the age of 97. He was the last of the first generation of African leaders who fought for the liberation of their countries. Kawunda Mm -hmm. led Zambia to independence in 1964, governing the country for 27 years until 1991. The charismatic president who won accolades for bowing out peacefully after losing an election was also the authoritarian who introduced a one-party state. The revolutionary who gave sanctuary to liberation movements was also a friend of United States president. He was known for his uh, endearing quirks, safari suits, waving white handkerchiefs, uh, singing and crying in public. And yet there was also a hard edge to the politics and persona of him. His powerful personality helped make Zambia a major player in African politics. Now, to help us uh, pay tribute, but also looking at the legacy that he leaves behind, we joined on the line by McDonald Chibenzi. He's the executive director for, of Governance Elections Advocacy Research Services Initiative. And Babu um, Mavusom uh, Simang, who's a veteran of the African National Congress. Good morning to you both, and thank you so much for giving us your time. Thank you so much. And uh, good morning, friends uh, in South Africa and uh, the region as a whole. You are and keeping yourself from Good morning, uh, Bab Mavuso. Uh, good morning. I'm struggling a little bit to hear. Um, McDonald's. Yeah. Yes. Uh, McDonald, are you um, sitting still or are, are you moving? No, I'm, I'm eating. Um, are you able to get open? We can hear you, but for some reason, your line uh, just keeps disappearing a little bit as you are, you are speaking there. Let me start with... Uh, Actually, I'm in, in the room. I'm in, um, in the office. 
Yeah. Okay, let, let's try to maybe recall you and then we'll just start with Bab Mavoso for the in the meantime because we really want to hear what you have to say as well. Bab Mavuso, your greatest memory of um <clears throat> President Kenneth Kawunda. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of the tributes that have been paid to him have actually been uh, have captured the essence of the man. I was in Zambia between 1965 and 1980 or so. So one did spend a little bit of time, although we used to move in and out of uh, the country uh, as uh, as demanded by what we're doing. Uh, President Kaunda, I would first characterize him as a a pan-Africanist. He really believed in pan-Africanism. Um, the second thing would be related to that is that he therefore thought that Africa would never be completely free until all its parts, namely Southern Africa, was also free. Uh, to this end, he actually accommodated all liberation movements that were involved in the struggle at the time, and these were Frelimo, it was Zapu and Zanu, uh, MPLA of Angola, um, and uh, Swapo of Namibia. They all had, uh, for the longest period of time during their struggle, offices in uh, Zambia. Zambia being a, a not very powerful country economically and, 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 and uh, militarily, we were not allowed to keep bases, you know, with and, and have weapons and those things. But we were granted diplomatic facilities uh, in the sense of being able to move around, and we carried out our work uh, as long as it did not uh, Im- uh, impinge on Zambia's security in insofar as uh, <coughs> carrying weapons was concerned. When, when you... Uh, Yes, sorry, you, you can continue. So I, I would have been saying Pan-Africanist and uh, total Pan-Africanism would see every part of uh, Africa, every state uh, free. Uh, it was the uh, frontline states. Well, it, it, it was uh, this, the, 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 the territories that I mentioned uh, initially, but later on as they acquired their independence, it became an issue of engaging South Africa um, uh, in the best way that he thought he could. You give me the opportunity to say very quickly that uh, he also was a person of his own mind. He he, he acted according, according to his beliefs. There were times when people thought he should not be <clears throat> talking to people like Ian Smith, who was the leader of the rebellion against Britain in 1965, nor to B.J. Foster, the pre- prime minister of uh, South Africa, who was backing uh, Ian Smith, people thought it's not worth it. Kaunda insisted that he would do that. But what you were always assured of is that the bottom line was that it would be majority rule, independence for the unliberated uh, states. Let me try your line again there. McDonald, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you loud and clear. 
Okay, let's let's try and uh, uh, with your line uh, moving forward. The last time I I spoke to you briefly on Friday, uh, you know, it was still very fresh. The news of um, uh, the president's death. What is the mood like uh, today? Well, um, I think now the, the news has uh, spread, and as you may be aware, the the president of the republic declared the 21 day uh, mourning period and so uh, there's more talk about um and his legacy, uh, what he did while he was still alive um as he's now airing in all radio stations uh tv stations and uh, even among Hello. But there's, uh, there's some noise oh, behind. Okay, okay, uh, okay, continue. We'll check that. Yes, so um, so the mood is basically the same. Uh, of course, politicians seem to uh, try to defy uh, the national mood uh, to campaign um, and talk about politics. Uh, as you may know that uh, this place has come, uh, 51 days or so uh, before we hold our general election uh, in August. So there's, um, the politicians themselves, yes, they talk about the legacy, they talk about him, but at the same time, they also need to politic in order to establish uh, their presence among the citizens so that the citizens' minds are not uh, focused on the money. And they also know that there's another duty they have to do, and that is uh, to prepare themselves to vote on, mm. on August 4. Mm-hmm. Let's listen to this clip now, just to establish the kind of person and he was and how he he got involved in politics. There's a clip here I'm going to play for you. It's just over a minute uh, of uh, former President Kenneth Kawunde speaking about how he was a teacher, but then he fell in love with politics. Let's take a listen. I trained as a teacher and... Uh, I worked at my school, my birthplace, as a teacher for some three, four years. And uh, I left to go and look for better uh, places, better life. And uh, I visited Tanganyika then, Tanzania today with two of my closest friends. We didn't like it, we went back home. Then uh, we went, I went to Johannesburg, sorry, to Salisbury, Harare today. Again, what I found there was terrible. So I went back home and uh, worked as a welfare officer for some few months, nine months, and then uh, went back to teaching. From teaching, again, I didn't like it. I went back home to do farming, cooperative farming. Uh, from there, when I was teaching now at, at this, the second time, I was already involved in politics um, because um, this was what is called the copper belt 
uh, a very developed area in the northern Indonesia of our time. And there I got mixed up in politics. Mm -hmm. I never went back until I retired a few, few years ago. And that's the voice of the late former president of Zambia, Kenneth Kawunda. I'm in conversation with Babuma Vusom Simang, a veteran from the African National Congress, as well as McDonald Chipenzi. He's an executive, executive director of governance, elections and advocacy at the Research Services Initiative. Babuma Vuso, how would you describe um, Kenneth Kawunda's leadership style? Well, uh, he was a very strong leader. He, I think he's, he was very consultative, but there was no doubting who was in charge. Uh, he started out uh, as secretary to, I think, what was called the African National Congress of uh, Northern Rhodesia, whose leader was uh, <coughs> Mr. Nkumbula. Uh, in, with the passing of time, it became quite clear that Nkumbula was not as resolute uh, about, you know, uh, dealing with uh, the colonialism, was willing to make compromises that were thought not to be really uh, productive. Uh, uh, Kenneth Kaunda ended up uh, becoming the president of uh, this uh, uh, the African National Congress of Northern Rhodesia. And it was clear at that time that it was a person of resolve, I think he was consultative from what I read and from what I saw when I was uh, in uh, Zambia, but a person who stamped his authority on the things that he wished to do. Um, there will have been a problem, or there was a problem, let me say, we're jumping now very many years. Uh, the early part, I think, where Kaunda must be looked at is the determination to fight against uh, Walensky, who was the um, um, federal, I think, prime minister of the federation, uh, and take a very strong stand against what was uh, uh, clearly not acceptable. <clears throat> uh, uh, so, so it 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 was. Uh, I, I remember the or something that was called the Cha 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 movement, <laughs> which involved people going out and doing protests. Uh, obstructing and, and, and so on. I mean, he was very much in charge of that. But in all of those things, he was always sensitive about doing these things in a nonviolent way, mm. uh, making sure that the people who were involved were on the ground, were on the ground, would be involved. I think, to me, he was really quite democratic and very firm in his leadership. Mm, mm. McDonald, what are your thoughts there? But also just add, uh, you know, some of the great um, things or those uh, uh, events or, or, or uh, incidents that would um, be remembered, that he would be remembered uh, by. McDonald? Okay, uh, I think we are struggling with McDonald's. Uh, um, hello? Hello? Yes, did you hear my question? Hello, hello McDonald? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, okay. Yes, I just wanted you to add to, to, to that, uh, those comments about his leadership style. Well, I mean, um, uh, why Kaunda became a uh, household name? Uh, was because of his charismatic uh, leadership at uh, at his at uh, youthful stage. Uh, like uh, the comrade has explained, 
Kaunda was part of the African National Congress, that's the Zambian one, ANC, uh, but they were not happy with the leadership of um, the then president of, um, of ANC. Okay, uh, we're going to try to re-establish that uh, approach yeah, to, to, to the independent struggle. Um, and that caused some kind of um, discontent among the people uh, or among the leadership. And that's how it was, uh, it broke away uh, into Zank, that is Zambia African National Congress, uh, where he served at a senior position. Um, before Zank was banned, uh, banned and uh, Kaunda was arrested. Um, and uh, later on, his, his the remnants of Zank uh, formed what was now called UNIP. And because of Kaunda's charismatic well, um, way of uh, leadership and how people felt that um, he was the, the touch bearer uh, of the Zank and he would push UNIP. Mines are Chona who formed uh, the UNIP. Uh, later on, uh, when Kaunda was released from prison, gave power, gave the leadership uh, to Kaunda to say, take it on now. I was just holding on uh, for this because they saw So now, he became a leader, uh, the president of uh, UNIP. Um, you saw that the unit became a very strong and powerful force in the fight against colonialism. And that uh, over, overtook the old party, the ANC, um, uh, which, which, which later on became a second largest party. But one key thing to Kaunda's leadership style was that um, he, he, he was a disciplinarian. He really, you know, wanted discipline uh, in, the, in the rank and power of his, uh, his party and the government. This is the man who fired one of the ministers because he had taken too much to the bottle. Okay, he, he, he's a person who used to, he didn't want to tolerate that. He created leadership codes where those in government, those in state institutions, were not supposed to run business because that would have created a public you know, a conflict of interest. That is how Kaunda used to work. And uh, most of them, they had only one farm and one house. There was nothing like you have all these uh, chains and of vehicles and houses and farms. So that was a way of being corrupt. And that was a way of diverting your state duty to personal issues. So that is, if you want to, if you want to do business, leave government, leave the state, and go to the private sector. That was this whatever. But more importantly, in terms of politics, this is a man who, in 1970, somewhere there, he drove all the way from Lusaka to go to a southern town called Toma, where he met Harimandong Kumbla, 
to try and reunite this country, which was divided on political lines and also on, uh, on ethnic lines. So he drove all the way to, to Choma and declared what was called the Choma Declaration, which brought the one-party participatory democracy. That was the greatest humility of a leader to drive and meet an opposition leader in his own stronghold. So that is one of the traits I remember that Kaunda was truly a man who was not so selfish, so pompous, but he knew that leadership is about service to mankind. Regardless of how you look at each other, you must serve because you have been put there to serve humankind. Let's pause right there, uh, McDonald, and take a break so that when we, when we come back, we can also talk about the, the role that he played with uh, helping other countries like South Africa. And uh, maybe Baba Mavosa can touch on that, especially the relationship that these two countries enjoy now, the importance of this relationship that they, that they, uh, that they carry with each other. Let's take a break and we'll continue after this. Have you ever asked yourself, what on earth am I here for? When God placed his image in us, he placed a sense of eternity within us. What is my purpose in life? I was made for greatness. I just don't know what it is yet, but I was made for greatness. Life by Design explores the journey of people from around the continent who live a life of purpose. They share their experience on how they discovered what they were meant to do. Join me, Amanda Machaga, every Monday at 8.05 Central African Time for your weekly dose of Monday motivation only on channel africa the african perspective life by design be the update of your life vision 2030 radio show only on channel africa is an educational talk show designed from an african perspective to give south africans an opportunity to take on key leadership roles in understanding promoting and supporting the South African government's national development plan, which is the domestication of the United Nations 17 Sustainable Development Goals. Catch the Vision 2030 show every Tuesday morning between 10 and 11 a.m. only on Channel Africa, DSTV Channel 802 and Open View Radio number 628, Vision 2030. Your plan, your future. Welcome back to African Dialogue. A reminder that in about 16 minutes, we're going to get an update from the Econ News, followed by the Sports News. And at the top of the hour, Africa Midday is up. So on the on the program today, we're looking at the legacy uh, that uh, former president of Zambia, Kenneth Kawunda, leaves behind. What lessons can be drawn from this great legacy? He was 97 years old at the time of his death. We're in conversation with McDonald Chipenzi. He's the executive di- uh, director of governance, elections and advocacy at the Research Services Initiative, as well as Babma Vosom Simang, who's a veteran of the African National Congress. Babma Vosom you know, uh, although we struggled a bit to hear some of what McDonald was saying, but one of the things that have stood out for me in, in, in his description was that he, he had a leadership uh, service to humankind. And we've seen this change with the types of leaders that we are seeing now, um, corruption and, um, you know, it, it's, people are asking questions about where are those leaders that uh, were here 
20, 30, 40 years back. That's the kind of leadership we're looking for. How do we move forward as a continent to try and groom such leaders of uh, Kenneth Kawunda's caliber? Yes, thank you very much. Uh, I think what McDonald said was extremely important on the issue, for instance, of not mixing business with politics. You're either in politics because it's a calling. You say you're going to serve your people. It is understood that you would have uh, an income stream uh, in, in many instances if you can't be paid out from your political activities. Uh, Kaunda was really resolute that uh, you are single-mindedly committed to to, to liberation, to improving um, the lot of the people of Zambia. So corruption, which unfortunately has come to, to be so commonplace now, is something that you abhorred, uh, and I abhorred that very strongly. It says a lot about him that when he was uh, defeated in the parliamentary elections, he did not flee the country and and really no one could charge him of corruption. You must know at the time that there were many coups in the on the continent and, 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 and a lot of uh, mostly people who would be removed unjustly in many instances would flee the country before they were arrested and charged with corruption. No one could honestly even imagine that they would do that uh, to uh, Kenneth Kaunda, never mind that uh, Chiluba did try something which was completely, which led credibility. So the sincerity, the commitment, the, 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 the abhorrence of corruption is one hallmark that uh, I don't know how we bring it about uh, in terms of the leadership of Africa. I don't think I want to worry too much about what happens elsewhere. Trump and others in America. But if one thing we would benefit from African leaders emulating Kaunda is a commitment to clean governance. Uh, another attribute would be that he was really committed to raising Africa as a region. He used every platform, whether it was Commonwealth, uh, the AU, OAU, as it was called, the the time to promote African unity. Um, many of uh, our leaders are not really entirely committed to those things. And I, I don't know how you bring that about. I can talk about our own South Africa without blaming the leadership. It's very, very disappointing, for instance, to see how we react and people want to avoid this thing very xenophobically. Uh, towards uh, people from the, anti, uh, um, from the continent, mostly from Southern Africa, but African people who come to our country. People miss the point that we're not saying Zambia was good for us because it supported the ANC. Yes, that was very good. And the ANC, despite the difficulties that we have now, played a pivotal role in the achievement of uh, liberation in South Africa. But what Kaunda did also in terms of his commitment to Pan-Africanism was when the United Nations decided that Smith, Ian Smith, and South Africa, I think the sanctions have been said, should be boycotted, there should be no trade with those countries. Kaunda committed what was almost like suicide. 
it closed the traditional trading routes through southern Africa. And those were established from the days of the British uh, Company of South Africa uh, through Rhodesia then to Baira in Mozambique, through Rhodesia into East London. Imports and exports flowed through that route. Kaunda at when one fell swoop in recognizing and respecting the call for sanctions, cut that off. I should add also that Benguela from the Copperbell things would just go to that uh, Portuguese-controlled uh, 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 country. Uh, and the Tazara, uh, Tanzania-Zambia Railway, uh, was built by the Chinese. I think they're very lucky that it's the Chinese who came to do its project, which was monumental. But what was a project that was uh, completed really in record time. Then, while that railroad was being built, the traffic, uh, transportation of goods to and out of Zambia was done through what was called Tazama, the, 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 was it Zamtan, the Zambia, the road service. Uh, you, could, uh, you, 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 you had many trucks. I mean, I don't know how many trucks all the time on the roads between uh, Tanzania and Zambia exporting uh, goods. So that cost the Zambians very, very much. And I must admit that it cost President Kaunda quite a bit of popularity. It, it, was, it happened at a time when uh, the copper prices were depressed. Mm. Uh, and it really did, I, I mean, the kinds of sentiments that you sometimes feel in South Africa towards uh, other people who think they are coming to take your jobs. Uh, was being felt by Zambians, not that we were taking their jobs. We never worked there. We we were a group who were, uh, had, had a single purpose of uh, gaining some foothold and proceeding with the struggle. So those, uh, you could talk more about these things, but the commitment mm. to, to solving African problems mm. and the recognition, by the way, that until South Africa was free, Africa would really not be uh, entirely free, uh, respectfully, mm. made him talk to uh, the enemy, made him talk uh, and try to get uh, B.J. Forster to talk to Smith, to lean on Smith, to, 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 so that they, you could talk to the nationalists. All of that sometimes would uh, uh, involve... Uh, uh, KK into some kind of humiliating positions where they say, what, why is he wasting time and so on? But, you know, that, that's the man. McDonald, what would you say in terms of um, grooming uh, this uh, generation of leaders of the caliber of Kenneth Kawunda, caliber of Nelson Mandela? You know, the, there's a clear gap in, in, in our politics and governance on the continent right now. Indeed, that's a very correct, correct observation. Um, I think in Zambia, uh, perhaps that could have been the weakness of Kaonda, uh, because when we got into one party state, um, he did not uh, realize that I have to give power uh, to the young generation. And that created a generational leadership gap uh, in our country. Uh, so when um, he left office in 1991, um, he temporarily 
serves somebody uh, in the name of Kebi Musokotun to run the country. Later on, people again forced him to say, no, get back. He could not realize that um, he needed to groom somebody who could take took, uh, who could take over the, the the mantles to the next generation so there was that issue of one uh, at that particular time and to me that was uh, the biggest perhaps weakness uh, of our former president but uh, in terms of um, a living a legacy mm. that we, the young generation, should have learned, even after he had left office, he had left a plenty of material for us to learn. So um, we need now to go back to the basics and see how best he ran this country in a united uh, manner, uh, like a comrade has mentioned, where corruption is at minimal, if not uh, non-existence. That is um, the days of Kaunda, where corruption was punishable, where nepotism was condemned, discrimination based on race, gender, uh, sex, and so on and so forth, was condemned. Mm. where justice was uh, one pillar of governance is what we need now because what we have in the present generation is this propensity to be rich within hours okay you put someone as a leader today tomorrow this person will be a millionaire mm. and this is where now you have violence in elections where people think that getting into government is a, a lucrative business and the people have to go to die for it. They have to fight for it. Uh, it's a die or leave kind of arrangement. Mm. So that type of leadership we have today is something that we need to discard and go back to the times of the Kaundas. How do they live a normal life? Uh, but they never engage themselves in corruption, uh, corrupt activity. Mm. Imagine if that time corruption was too rampant. Was Kaunda going to help the, the neighboring countries? Or he would be, you know, cutting deals with the... Hello, McDonald? Uh, sorry, to, to, to put the other group under, you know, under perpetual colonialism or suppression. Mm. But because they had a clear conscience, mm. they knew what they wanted, the service to mankind. He even introduced humanism, man-centered society. So that in doing so, it was very difficult to corrupt somebody who thought that a human being is more important than money. A human being is more important than the colonial masters or being friends or dining and whining with the butters of those world, of those dimes, the clerks of those worlds, the smithies of those worlds. They said, no, man, a black man must be the center 
of all the activities, all the struggles, all the sweats, all the suffering that we, uh, a fellow black, is supposed to, 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 you know, to offer. So to me, we have a mammoth task to create that generation of leaders who put man at the center of society. In closing, Bab Mavuso, um, the importance of Zambia and South Africa's relationship. It's, it's, it's actually very important. Uh, again, I think because of the politics that developed in Zambia post uh, President Kaunda's uh, leadership, did not always uh, understand regional politics. I say this with all due respect. And uh, they started prematurely uh, talking to <laughs> the apartheid regime, even at a time when it was very clear that uh, the liberation struggle in South Africa was forging ahead, Mandela would be coming out, etc., etc. You had very short-sighted people. The result, of course, was that Zambia has not been accorded the um, recognition that it deserves. I mean, when I say every liberation movement in Southern Africa had a place in Zambia, had support in Zambia, and all the other things that we've discussed, you know, I would have thought the first place, uh, the, the one country that needed support, and Zambia, by the way, is a landlocked country, uh, that could have done with support from SADC uh, in recognition of the role it had played in the liberation of these countries it has not been as forthcoming as it could have been, partly because of the internal leadership in Zambia, and, but also because our own people have really not recognized that we owe so much to that country. But it must extend, of course, uh, SADC itself, um, People run, run to South Africa because there is an infrastructure, there are job opportunities. If we had the perspective, if we had the kinds of insights that Kaunda had, we would have developed a SADC that would uh, capitalize on things that were important and doable in a particular country. Since we're talking about Zambia, for instance, here is a country that's well watered, where if we decided to make it the center of agriculture in, 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 in Southern Africa, you would have institutions, research flourishing in that country. Of course, you'd need to allocate other countries their own respective responsibilities, but you would even do it for your selfish interests because uh, uh, people will come to a center. South Africa becomes a magnet because it has got uh, the potential that's greater than that of other countries. Leadership requires that we look at how we evenly spread uh, development opportunities in the, in, the, in, the, in the subcontinent and, of course, in, in all of Africa. So here is where we miss Kaunda. Where were you, Kaunda, the 21st century when we needed you so much? But also, just to conclude, it bears recording that... Uh, at a time when people were really shy about discussing HIV and AIDS because it was supposed to be a shameful disease, Kaunda not only supported it, but also declared that his own son had been killed by HIV and AIDS. And he continued against the scourge even after he left office. A great man, really, in many respects. No one is perfect, 
but he is an out, was an outstanding human being. And unfortunately, we've run out of time now. Thank you both uh, very much. A lot to be said about the former president. I wish we had more time. Uh, that's the voice of Mavosom Simang. He's a veteran of the African National Congress. Thank you to you as well, McDonald Chipenzi, the Executive Director of Governance, Elections and Advocacy at the Research Services Initiative. Thank you both for giving us your time and just sharing uh, some information and memories and highs and lows of um, Mr. KK as he was affectionately known. Thank you both so much. Thank you for giving us Thank the opportunity you. to talk to you. That's it from the African Dialogue team. Thank you to Dumelo Zulu and Benjamin Moshatama, our producers for today. Thank you to Dumelo Mugwena, our technical producer. Thank you to Zanele Jambani, our production and assignment uh, editor. For myself, Ayanda Mkwanazi, Africa Midday is coming up next. <laughs>